Section 13 of Religious Studies, Sketches, and Poems. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please go to LibriVox.org. Recording by Lois Beachy Yoder, Charlotte, North Carolina. Religious Studies, Sketches, and Poems by Harriet Beecher Stowe. Christ's Unworldly Methods We are struck in the history of our Lord with the unworldliness of his manner of living his daily life and fulfilling his great commission. It is emphatically true in the history of Jesus that his ways are not as our ways and his thoughts as our thoughts. He did not choose the disciples of his first ministry as worldly wisdom would have chosen them. Though men of good and honest hearts, they were neither the most cultured nor the most influential of his nation. We should have said that men of the standing of Joseph of Arimathea or Nicodemus were preferable, other things being equal, to Peter the fisherman or Matthew the tax-gatherer, but Jesus thought otherwise. And furthermore, he sometimes selected those apparently most unlikely to further his ends. Thus, when he had a mission of mercy in view for Samaria, he called to the work of a woman, not such as we should suppose a divine teacher would choose, not a preeminently intellectual or a very good woman, but on the contrary, one of a careless life and loose morals and little culture. The history of this person, of the way in which he sought her acquaintance, arrested her attention, gained access to her heart, and made of her a missionary to draw the attention of her people to him, is wonderfully given by St. John. We have the image of a woman, such as many are, social, good-humored, talkative, and utterly without any high moral sense, approaching the well where she sees this weary Jew reclining to rest himself. He introduces himself to her acquaintance by asking a favor, the readiest way to open the heart of a woman of that class. She is evidently surprised that he will speak to her, being a Jew, and she a daughter of a despised and hated race. How is it, she says, that thou, a Jew, askest drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jesus now answers her in that symbolic and poetic strain which was familiar with him. If thou knewest the gift of God, and who this is that asketh drink of thee, thou wouldst ask of him, and he would give thee living water. The woman sees in this only the occasion for a lively rejoinder. Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? with that same mysterious air, as if speaking unconsciously from out some higher sphere, he answers, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever shall drink of the water that I shall give shall never thirst. The water that I shall give shall be a well in him springing up to everlasting life. Impressed strangely by the words of the stranger, she answers confusedly, Sir, give me this water, that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. 
there is a feeble attempt at a jest struggling with the all which is growing upon her jesus now touches the vital spot in her life go call thy husband and come hither she said i have no husband he answers well hast thou said i have no husband thou hast had five husbands and he thou now hast is not thy husband in that sense thou truly the stern grave chastity of the jew his reverence for marriage strike coldly on the light-minded woman accustomed to the easy tolerance of a low state of society she is abashed and hastily seeks to change the subject sir i see thou art a prophet and then she introduces the controverted point of the two liturgies and temples of samaria and jerusalem not the first nor the last was she of those who seek relief from conscience by discussing doctrinal dogmas then to our astonishment jesus proceeds to declare to this woman of light mind and loose morality the sublime doctrines of spiritual worship to predict the new era which is dawning on the world woman believe me the hour cometh when neither in this mountain nor yet in jerusalem shall ye worship the father the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipper shall worship the father in spirit and in truth for as the father seeketh such to worship him god is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth then in a sort of confused awe at his earnestness the woman said i know that messiah shall come and when he is come he will tell us all things jesus saith unto her i that speak unto thee am he at this moment the disciples returned with their national prejudices it was very astonishing as they drew nigh to see that their master was in close and earnest conversation with a samaritan woman nevertheless when the higher and godlike in jesus was fully enkindled the light and fire were such as to awe them they saw that he was in an exalted mood which they dared not question all the infinite love of the savior the shepherd of souls was awaking within him the soul whom he has inspired with a new and holy calling is leaving him on a mission that is to bring crowds to his love the disciples pray him to eat but he is no longer hungry no longer thirsty no longer weary he exults in the gifts that he is ready to give and the hearts that are opening to receive the disciples pray him master eat he said i have meat to eat that ye know not of they questioned in an undertone hath any one brought him aught to eat he answers my meat and my drink is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work then pointing towards the city he speaks impassioned words of a harvest which is at hand and they wonder but meanwhile the woman with the eagerness and bright social readiness which characterize her is calling to her townsmen come see a man that told me all that ever i did is not this the christ what followed on this a crowd press out to see the wonder jesus is invited as an honored guest he spends two days in the city and gathers a band of disciples 
After the resurrection of Jesus, we find further fruits of the harvest sown by a chance interview of Jesus with this woman. In the eighth of Acts, we read of the ingathering of a church in a city of Samaria, where it is said that the people with one accord gave heed to the things spoken by Philip, and there was great joy in that city. One thing in this story impresses us strongly. The power which Jesus had to touch the divinest capabilities in the unlikeliest subjects. He struck at once and directly for what was highest and noblest in souls, where it lay most hidden. As physician of souls, he appealed directly to the vital moral force, and it acted under his touch. He saw the higher nature in this woman, and as one might draw a magnet over a heap of rubbish and bring out pure metal, so he, from this careless, light-minded, good-natured, unprincipled creature, brought out the suppressed and hidden yearning for a better and higher life. She had no prejudices to keep, no station to preserve. She was even to her own low moral sense consciously a sinner, and she was ready at the kind and powerful appeal to leave all and follow him. We have no further history of her. She is living now somewhere, but wherever she may be, we may be quite sure she never has forgotten the conversation at the well in Samaria and the man who told her all that ever she did. End of section 13